All right, all right, all right. Hey, you ready to get into the Word this morning? Say yes. Hey, would you guys that are here live, would you give it up for our online guys that are watching online? Would you shout for them real loud? Thank you guys for joining with us online. We, I don't know if you realize this, but we actually now have three campuses. We have a campus in Mansfield, a campus in Cedar Hill, and then we have an online campus. Come on, somebody. In fact, uh, Pastor Sean and Esmeralda are leading out for us on our online campus, and they're doing so good, and we're so excited. Thank you again for joining in. Those of you guys uh, that uh, aren't able to come, we hope to see you in the next couple weeks. This is our first service back. We're calling it together again. Give yourselves a hand for making it out. Woo! Now, we've been in a series called Bridges. Everybody say Bridges. bridges. No, you can do better than that. Say Bridges. bridges. I can't hear you at your house. You got to say it louder. Come on, say Bridges. There you go. The neighbors are calling the cops. All right. Something crazy going on over there. But we, our whole premise of this, of this series has been based out of a passage in Matthew chapter 7. Turn there quickly. And verse 13. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus is speaking. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. As I contemplate Jesus' words here, it means to me that our relationship with him is like a road. Um, that it's a, a road that's not broad, a giant highway that most people who don't know him are on that highway heading towards destruction. But those who love him and are following him are on this narrow road. Well, that narrow road would have these moments in it, any of us that have been hiking or something like that, where you get to a place in a road or a path that it lacks the ability to go forward because there's an obstacle. Maybe a river, maybe a ravine, something like that. And what we do is we build bridges across those. And so it is with that premise that I have been challenging us as Christians that there are moments in our Christian walk where we come to an impasse, a place of difficulty, a place that we don't want to be on or to enjoy. It's nothing familiar or fun, excuse me, about it, but we have to cross over to continue on the path with God. And how many times over the years have I pastored people in 30 years who've gotten to a place in their Christian walk and said, that's it, I'm not going any further. I'm not going to love again. I'm not going to have faith anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to overcome this. I am done. I'm st staying right here. And they stop growing in God. I can't tell you how many times I've been in other churches preaching. I, I, I relay this to you in times past, but I remember being at this one church. And man, I'm worshiping God, and then I preach, and the power of God's there. And afterwards, this little old man comes walking up to me. All bitter, a scowl on his face. He said, son, you're pretty excited about Jesus, aren't you? And I said, yes, sir, I really love the Lord. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. He said, how, how long do you think I've been a Christian? And I'm thinking, I don't know, since dirt? Uh, I have no idea. How long have you been a Christian? He said, I've been a Christian 50, 57 years, 57 years. He said, can I help you with something? Yes, sir, man, 57 years. You must, be a, you must drive past funeral homes and people just raised from the dead. I mean, 57 years with Jesus, you, you the real deal. And he goes, yeah, uh-huh, and 57 years. I've learned some things. Let me help you with something. He said, what's going to happen for you? All that jumping around and being excited and, and passionate and all that. At some point, you're just going to settle down. Mm -hmm. You're just going to settle down. See, his problem was he didn't have a mom and dad like me who loved Jesus no matter how old they are and kept on that bridge and keep going past those bridges, keep growing in God. God is my witness. I looked into that man's eyes and I looked up and I said, Jesus. If this is what I got to look forward to, kill me right now. I want to end it right here. 
See, that man had become so bitter because at some point in his life, he stopped crossing those bridges. And he camped out in this place. I'm a Christian. I know what I know. I don't want nothing else. And that old man is being a jerk. And every new person that comes to church and interacts with him is having to make a decision. Do I want to be like this or do I not want to be like this? We must cross these bridges so we can stay on the path of growth with Jesus. So we've covered a couple bridges, the bridges of fear, the bridges of worldliness. And today, write this down, today our bridge is the bridge of selfishness. Come on, everybody say it. Say selfishness. See, if you didn't say it, it's because you're selfish. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Let me define that for you. It's defined as concerned primarily with one's own interest, benefits, welfare, etc., regardless of others. Mr. Stephen Kendrick, who's a Christian filmmaker who, who did Fireproof and War Room, he says it like this. Almost every sinful act ever committed can be traced back to a selfish motive. It is a trait we hate in others, other people, but justify in ourselves. Harry S. Truman, our president, said it like this. Selfishness and greed, individual or national, cause most of our troubles. In dealing with selfishness, I want to point out this passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2. This is kind of going to be our key passage for today's teaching and lesson. So if you'll turn there quickly quickly with me, Philippians 2 and verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, the Apostle Paul is saying, so if you have gotten better as a person because you are a Christian, because you've connected with Jesus Christ. He says, if there's any comfort from his love, If you have received such comfort in life because of the love of God that he's poured out on you, any fellowship with his spirit, if you've got the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you, doing miracles, continuing on, if there's any tenderness or compassion, then will you do me a favor, Christians? This is what he's saying. He's an older man in the face saying to the younger younger Christian. He says, then will you make my joy complete by being like-minded? Everybody say like-minded. One. Unified, being like-minded, having the same, everybody say same, the same love, not divided love, the same love, being one, again one, unity, in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but the interest of of others. See, on this selfish bridge, each and every one of us live on that bridge. Listen, as an only child, I know this bridge well. Married to an only child, I understand selfishness. I am the best person to speak out against selfishness because I am riddled with it as a spoiled only child. But to cross this bridge, the objective in getting past our selfishness, as the Apostle Paul is alluding to, is unity in Christ. In fact, I would say The reason why we don't have unity in our nation, the reason why we don't have unity in the church, the reason why we don't have unity in our families is because of our own personal selfishness. Because selfishness is about me. Selfishness is about what I want. Remember the definition. And Jesus actually warns us about this selfishness. In John chapter 17, this is his prayer. He's praying for his disciples. His work is done. He's about to be crucified. He's going to die. He's going to resurrect. And then he's going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is considered Jesus' longest prayer, kind of like his epitaph, his last big prayer. Look what he prays. Skipping down in verse 20 of John 17, he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through the testimony of, of my disciples, that all of them may be one. 
Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The proof that Jesus is real is the way we love each other, the way we are one as the church. He's saying, I pray, oh, Father, Father, don't let them become disunified. Let them be one, just like you and I are one. See, our God is in three persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They have different, if you will, uh, uh, objectives, and, and they have different positions, if you will, but they're one. Like a football team that has a quarterback, a running back, a, a, a line, uh, blocking backs, all these positions, but they're one team. They have a defensive side. They have an offensive side. They have, they have special teams, but they're one team under one name, under one banner. And Jesus is saying, oh, Father, oh, Father, I pray, skipping down in verse 23, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Can I tell you what's under attack right now? It's our unity. What's under attack is our togetherness. What's under attack, what's happening, all the swirling, all the stuff you're seeing, at the end of the day, there's a demonic force, the powers of Satan. All he's actually trying to accomplish is divide and separate the church because when the church is one, the gates of hell cannot stand against us. When the church is unified, no weapon formed against us can prosper. In fact, Jesus is praying his last prayer. Oh, Father, let them not lose their unity. Oh, Father, the way you and I work together, the way you and I are one, the way you and I go forth in earth and in, in, in the atmosphere, may they be like that. Because everything that fights against that is so that we will never bring about God's love in the earth. That's what he was after. That's what he prays against. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, he warns us about the disunity that's coming. He's, this is his apocalyptic writings. This is him talking about the end of the world. This is him talking about the end times. If you'll read Matthew chapter 24, you'll find he talks about there'll be wars and rumors of wars as the end is coming. Earthquakes and famines, pestilence, diseases that nobody knows where they're coming from or where they're going. And then he moves into this verse that I want you to see in verse 9. He says, and then you'll be handed over, Matthew 24, to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Verse 10 is the one I want you to focus on. At that time... Many, everybody say many. many. A few, a couple, many. just every you know, person who came to church but didn't really mean it. Many. many will turn away from what? The faith. They'll turn away from their faith and they will do what? They will betray and hate each other. Guys, we're seeing this come to pass right now. Christians are divided. Christians are divided by race, by culture, by opinions, by politics. This is the plan of the enemy. Continuing on, he says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. How, how are false prophets going to deceive many good people, godly people? How are they going to get deceived? Because they're going to have a, just a little bit of form of godliness, but denying the power they're in. They're going to say some things. You're going to see some posts. You're going to watch some, some, some YouTube videos. They go, yeah, that's true. I, I, guess, I guess that's true. That is. And that's, hmm. And all of that is to keep the church from being the church, to keep us from being unified, to keep from every tribe and every race and every tongue coming together under the banner of Jesus Christ. Because in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. There's no dividing lines. Doesn't matter your culture, we're the Jesus culture. Doesn't matter your, your background, it's his background that we're after. We're after Christ. And when we come together under that, Satan cannot stop us. That's what this war is all about. That's what's happening in the earth today. Are you with me? Say yes. And so if I could today, I'd like to teach you what I see is the two traps of selfishness. Write these down. They'll help you. The two traps of selfishness. 
Each and every one of us have selfishness in us. And there are two traps, especially in this hour. We're in a real volatile hour right now. The church hangs in the balance. What will we be? Will we be the unified front under the banner of Jesus Christ? Or will we be splintered and broke off, hating and fighting against each other? That's how we went into the dark ages, because the church splintered and fought against each other instead of coming together in unity. Here's the first trap of selfishness. Write this down that I see. It's indifference. Indifference. Do you know what indifference is? It's defined as a lack of interest, concern, or sympathy. Indifference. An only child can speak to indifference. We were laughing in the last service because my mom was a single mom, her and I against the world before Pop came in our life. And we were laughing because mom's favorite song, we get in our little apartment, we ain't had no money. We was, we was in the hood, we, was only, we were poor, and mom would get in there and everybody done her wrong, misappropriate her, didn't treat her right, and she put on that song, I will survive just as long as I know how to love and let it, let it and I would sit there and dance with her. So what that bred in me was, I'm going to get mine because no one else is going to take care of me. Which what that did in me was, if you if you in pain, well, you shouldn't have been stupid. Indifference. Maybe you don't have a good picture of indifference. Let me, can I paint a good picture of indifference for you? Let me show you something. Have you seen, how many, how many of you guys, TikTok? You, know, you, you do a little TikTok. So I, I, I like TikTok except when they're cursing and being wicked, so I had to turn it off. But anyway, but I saw this video the other day because on TikTok last couple weeks, they did this, they call it the fruit challenge. If you hadn't seen that, what they do is they put, they're putting toddlers at the table, put the camera on them. And then they'll put like a, little, like a little candy fruit, something, you know, one of those little things. And they'll say, now, mama's got to go to the bathroom. Don't you eat this till I come back. And this one-and-a-half-year-old to three-year-old is sitting there going, <laughs> and the camera's playing. Well, I think this picture that I have for you today will help you understand what indifference looks like. Play that footage for them, these two twins. Wait till mommy comes back, you understand? Okay, I'll be right back. Ah, ah, ah. Nope. Everybody say indifference. See, indifference is not only what is yours is mine, uh, uh, what is mine is mine, but what yours is mine. Did you see that little girl's face? These are twins. This is family. This is blood. That little girl, not, not only did she stuff hers in her mouth, she stuffed her sister's in her mouth. And then as her sister's crying, because I ain't getting none, what did she do? She could care a flying flip. Because I got mine. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm indifferent. Indifference will cause us to never unify. Indifference is what has broken down so much of what's supposed to be the love in the church. I was out of town. Um, and off of social media and media when Mr. Aubrey was murdered hunted down and murdered and I got back in town I 
course, turned on TV and cell phones and stuff like that. And I'm already four or five days past the conversation. I mean, it's already in. And so, because I've lived my entire life in multiracial reconciliation, I immediately, of course, was angered. But I had enough sense to not try to just start posting what I thought. But I knew our church would be in some difficult times. So I, Ms. Jamie and I had a private meeting with all of our black leaders. And I, I just said, let's talk. And um, now these are people who love Jesus. These are people who are not bitter. These are people who love this church. These are people who love everybody. And as they begin to talk, they begin to express their feeling that other people in our church were indifferent to their pain, to injustice, that they got so used to injustice that they were indifferent to it, and that hurt them. I was ready to go bear hunting with a switch. I was ready, like, we're going to rally, we're going to march. And when my own people told me that they didn't feel supported and loved and they felt as though there was a stream of indifference towards injustice in our congregation I heard the Spirit of the Lord say clearly judgment starts with the house of the Lord and so I began to call around I told them this is what I'm doing I'm not posting I'm not doing anything because we got to get the house fixed before we try to get the world fixed and so we went ground grassroots down through our church and, and, and we begin to ask, have I offended you? Did, did I do you wrong? Have I, have I made you feel as though I wasn't there for you? Are you okay? Not all of us did it right. Not all of us received it well. But we started into, are we okay? What do we need to do to be better? How have we not done right? We begin to attack that indifference. And then after we'd done that for just even a couple days, and Mr. George, George Floyd was murdered in front of all of us. And so we even more found out who was indifferent in our church. Even more not knowing what to do and all these things. And so we continued the pathway. We continued the plan. And then I even, I even sent out emails to everyone in the church. And I said, I need you to step up. And code talk, I used the terms, stop thinking about yourself and go love on someone who you know is hurting. Go, stop being indifferent and stand on the side of justice. And, and it, we had, you know, good, great response. <clears throat> but it was critical to me that we stop the indifference because this indifference is a result of selfishness and selfishness leads to disunity and we can never be the church that destroys the works of the enemy in the earth as long as we're indifferent. As long as we're like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect you. It affects all of us. Injustice affects all of us. Doesn't matter, black, white, Hispanic. Injustice affects all of us. Doesn't matter. We cannot be indifferent. We have to overcome. That is a rooted in selfishness behavior, and you and I have to get delivered from, and nobody can speak to it better than an only child. I mean, the first time I saw that little video of that little girl, the first thing I thought was, she got hers. That's a good girl. There you go. Don't let nobody take your stuff. That's indifference. We got to be delivered from that. We got to work through that because we cannot have unity 
until we first break off our selfishness. Here's the second trap. You still with me? Still love me? Is that okay? Can I help us? Here's the second trap. I love you deeply. I love you, love you, love you deeply. Here's the second trap, and that's the trap of bitterness. The trap of bitterness. Hebrews 12 and 15 says it like this. See to it. He's talking to the church. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defilement. Oh, in the last few weeks, all I've heard is bitterness. All I've heard is, is, is what was done wrong, and, 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 and that, is, that is real and that is true. But that bitterness in all of us keeps us from being unified because how can I love you, my brother? How can I love you, my sister? How can I love you who doesn't look like me or maybe have a culture like me? How can I love you and call ourselves believers if I'm bitter towards you and I can't see past what you've done to see the glory of his grace? Because that's what it says. It says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. So that we don't miss it and, and, and thereby let a bitter root come up inside of each and every one of us. I had a friend in our church who, who, um, whose dad came through our church a few months back and, uh, and he gave me this book, uh, Dream With Me by Dr. John Perkins. Um, and this man, I, I started reviewing it again through all the stuff that we've been going through and in the in sleeve it says, a trailblazer in the civil rights movement, John M. Perkins, led voter registration efforts in 1964, worked in the, for school desegregation in 1967, was jailed and tortured in 1970. I started reading this man's book, and I wasn't 100% sure where he would be and what his words would be. You know, they talk, people all the time say, I marched with Dr. King. This man worked with Dr. King to establish rightness. He was one of the key members who sat in the meeting saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to change injustice? How are we going to fight against it? And so as I'm reading his book, I just get, you know, I can't, I can't get very far until the love of God is so oozing out of him through the pages that I begin to weep. I just begin to weep. How is a man who should be so embittered reaching me with the love of God and he made this statement. I want you to hear it real quick. And if, is it okay if I read a statement that he put in his book? Would you be okay? Okay, three of you. The rest of you, that's all right. I'll read it anyway. He said it like this. He said, anyone who knows my story would expect this book to ooze with justice issues. After all the pain caused by injustice, that's what's motivated me to spend a lifetime working for social change on behalf of widows, prisoners, the poor, and anyone who struggles. So how did someone who has experienced the anguish of poverty, racism, and oppression end up wanting to write a book about love as his climactic message? Good question. For decades, I've tried to meet people where they hurt. I preached and desired to see justice for all. And I still fervently believe in it. God loves justice and wants his people to seek justice. Psalms 11, Micah 6, 8. But I've come to understand that true justice, stay with me, true justice is wrapped up in love. The old-time preacher and prophet A.W. Tozer had a way of making the most profound truth simple and palatable. He once said, God is love, and just as God is love, God is justice. That's it, he said. God's love and justice come together in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. You, you can't have justice 
without love. Justice is the result of being wrapped in love. Bitterness will keep you from actually getting the justice that you want. Jesus actually says, he says, listen, those who've harmed you, those who've done you wrong, turn it over to me. Turn it over to me. Let love abound in there. Don't let a bitter root get down in there. Don't let yourself become embittered because you can't change anything from a place of bitterness. And so what we've got going on right now in the nation, we've got We've got indifference and we got bitterness. And we're dancing. Well, you did this. Well, I'm doing this. Well, I did this. And so, and so you didn't respond to this. And we're doing this dance. It's like Jamie and I when we're doing marriage counseling. We're looking at this couple who love each other, who've been together 17 years, and they're talking about divorce. And it always comes down to these little, well, she did this. Well, I didn't do that. You did. I did that because you did this. And my response to that, who's going to step over the line and say, I love you? I love you, and, and, and I, I did it. I, I'll take it. I'll take responsibility for it. I did it. Forgive me. I, I, what do I need to do? Because I care about you more than I care about being right. I want you more than I want to be right. I want to be with you. When the world tries to do that, they can't because they don't have the love of God flowing through their veins. Surely the church can step across the line and say, I don't care what color you are. I don't care if you blame me or not blame me. I want to be wrong so that I can be right. I will, I will take responsibility for what I've done and not done because I love you. Even if I don't know, the, even if I don't agree, I love you. I want you in my life. That's the heart blood of a church that's up on a hill. That's light to all the darkness around it. That's the look of a multiracial church. That's the attitude. We have to fight for one another instead of with one another. We have to back one another and say, listen, I don't get it, but I refuse to be indifferent. You know what? You say this, and that enrages me. But I want to repent and not let bitterness come into me because I want to love you. I would rather be with you than not be with you. Because what's the goal? What's the antichrist spirit in the earth? To separate the church, to divide it. Because united we stand, divided we fall. In Christ. Father, may they be one like we are one. I don't pray. My last big prayer is not that they're prosperous. My last big prayer is not that the demons run and tremble. My last big prayer, the last period at the end of my sentence, God, keep them one as we are one. Because as we're one, then the enemy cannot advance against us. You say, well, Pastor Adam, I try. I try to love. I try to, I try to help. I feel like everything I do, I get misunderstood. Let me just say this to you. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world your best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you have anyway. 
You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and your God. It has never been between you and them anyway. That was wisdom from a little sweet lady maybe some of you have heard of called Mother Teresa. Love anyway. Forgive anyway. They may misappropriate your forgive, forgive anyway. Because it's never been about them anyway. It's about us and our God. It's about us and the body of Christ being the body of Christ. We are his solution to the earth. He didn't set up training centers. He didn't set up orphanages. Jesus came. He didn't set up video staging where you could go and watch his video on how to be a better person or how to be like, like him. He came and he developed what we call and he called the church. Us. Working in unison together in his love and his capacity for all those who are hurting. The church. We have to get unity. We have to be united. We have to stand. So let me give you a few steps. Would you write these down? Steps to cross this bridge of selfishness so we can walk in unity. A couple steps that we need to take. Is it all right if I refer back to our original scripture? Philippians chapter 2 had the answer to these steps. It gave us these steps. It's not something I've made up, but something the Word of God tells us. Back to verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That tells me the first step to cross this bridge is we have to humble our hearts. But in humility, not in vain conceit, not in selfish humility, the first step, we have to humble our hearts. If you're going to take a step out of selfishness, across into unity towards that, to that other side, you've got to first humble your heart and say, Lord, I need help. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Hey, I, I, I repent to you. I, I, I recognize that I have been indifferent. I recognize I have been bitter. You've got to humble your heart. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to humble ourselves. Here's the second step, as we see. It says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Number two, take responsibility. If your neighborhood sucks, it's your neighborhood. Take responsibility. If, somebody's, if somebody is is rude and, 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 and wicked, take responsibility. Take responsibility for your own actions and take responsibility for the world around you. How much indifference do we have to have? See, indifference is not taking responsibility. When you and I take responsibility for our community, when you and I take responsibility for ourselves, when you and I take responsibility for our relationship with the Lord, only then do we really see the explosion of God's goodness. Why? Because then we can say, you know, I didn't do it right. Uh, you, uh, you, uh, instead of what I'm seeing like right now is the blame game. Well, she said and he said and they did this and so therefore I did this. Take responsibility for you. Not, look what it says. Each of you should not look to your own interests, but also, to the, not only to your own interests, but also to the interests interest of others. I was in a rally the other day and I had to, I had to leave early, early for another appointment. So as I'm walking away from the hundreds of people that are rallying, I'm walking away I'm on the sidewalk, and there's an African-American man and his son just a little bit ahead of me. And we're coming up to the side street where the police have uh, barricaded it off so that whole road could be you know, marched down. And uh, it's a white police officer. He's got his uniform on. And there's me, him, and just a few others on the only white folks out there. And so there's an awkwardness. And, 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 and he doesn't know what this... Um, 
large, good-looking African-American man, or his son is thinking, but he's just been at a rally, so he's not sure, but he doesn't care. It's amazing. He's not scared. He is scared, but he overcomes it. That's a better way to say it. And he goes, excuse me, sir. I want you to know I've been a police officer for 20 years. He's kind of yelling out because he's not close to him. He's, he's about 20 yards away. I've been a police officer over 20 years. I want you to know I watched every bit of those 8 minutes and 46 seconds Mr. Floyd's murderous experience. I want you to know it disgusted me. And I know you don't know me, and I know you don't trust me. I just want you to say, I don't want to say I'm sorry. Because that's not us. That's not the men and women of blue. That man doesn't represent us. And I know you don't want to hear that from somebody like me right now, but I just felt like I had to say it. While I'm standing behind this man and his son, walking down the sidewalk, this guy's yelling that across. It is awkward. And then this African-American man says to him, thank you for saying it. My son needed to hear that. My son needed to see the image that he saw on TV is not every white man with a blue uniform on. <clears throat> he said, thank you for saying that. He goes, okay, thank you now. <laughs> it was awkward as all get out. But he took responsibility for that which he himself had never done. He, he, he took responsibility because he, he wanted to cross the line of brokenness to get to the place of healing and unity. He, he cared more about that young man and that dad than he cared about being right. He took responsibility for what he personally did not do. What he didn't do and would never have done. He didn't sign up to be that person. But he took responsibility. It was miraculous. That man is walking in front of me. And his whole demeanor before he got up toward, walking towards that police officer, he was, he was tense. Afterwards, he was like this with his boy. It was a moment. Because one person took responsibility to love. One person took responsibility to say, you know what? I'm going to love even though I don't feel like I should have to prove it. I'm going to love anyway. Even though I didn't do it, I'm going to love anyway. Even though I may be misunderstood, I'm going to speak anyway. I'm going to put my heart out there. It may get stepped on again, but I'm going to do it anyway. Here's the third piece that I would teach you if we're going to cross this bridge is that you and I have to act in love. You can't just talk about it. You can't just pretend about it. We have to act in love. Over the last few weeks, I've seen more acts that were not in love than I can shake a stick at. I, it's like, th that's not the love of God. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about from the world. I expect the world to be wicked. I'm talking about from the church. Shame on us. Shame on us for not acting in love. Jesus climbed that hill, that hill of Golgotha, that cross beam across his shoulders. When he couldn't carry it anymore, they picked a dark-skinned man to put that beam on his shoulders to climb up the rest of that mountain. And Jesus, as they nailed him to that cross, one of the last things he said was, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. You want to prove to me the level of your love for Jesus? I see it in the way you act towards others in love or the lack thereof. We've got, we're going to cross this bridge. We're going to be a church that is united. We're going to be a church 
of every race and every tribe and every culture. And we're going to bring our wounds and our misappropriations and we're going to lay them at the foot of the cross. We're going to bring our indifference and lay it at the foot of the cross and we're going to have each other's back. We're going to love each other. We're going to be there for one another. We're going to miss. We're, we're, listen, we're two always agree one is not needed. We're not going to agree on everything. That doesn't mean we're not unified. That just means I see it differently, but I love you. And I'm willing to love you and fight with you. And I'm willing to, to not hurt you in the process of disagreeing with you. We can. Let me tell you something. Nobody in this world... In this world, do I love more than the woman sitting on this front row? My wife. No one in this world do I disagree with more than the woman sitting on this front row. And she has to help me learn to not be wrong anymore. <clears throat> if you're looking for agreement, then you can't have multiracial, multigenerational, multi-backgrounds. If you always want to agree, the beauty of love is that it crosses past our disagreements. And says, it don't matter if I agree or not, I want you in my life. It doesn't matter, I will fight for you. I will stand beside you. I will stand against sin, but I'll stand beside you. And our opinions can be different, but our love can never, it can never, ever be tribal. It has to be for one man, following one God, Jesus Christ, the man who we follow, who's our Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you today. Would you stand with me all across the room? The first thing I want to ask us is have we let indifference or bitterness get in our hearts? And I want you right where you stand. I want you to close your eyes, even at your home, on your treadmill. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And I want, to ask, I want you to ask yourself a question. Have I been indifferent? I want you to ask yourself a, a second question. Have I been bitter? Indifference blocks love and keeps us from unity. Bitterness blocks love and keeps us from unity. The goal is unity. The goal is to be like Jesus prayed, that we would be like He and the Father were. They were one. No division. They were one. Father, free us. Help us. Deliver us from our indifference. If you haven't recognized indifference in your life, I want you to just repent right there. Say, Lord, I repent for being indifferent. I, I repent. Being like that, that little twin. Getting mine and not worrying that no one else got theirs. Father, deliver us. Set us free. If you've been bitter... Every conversation with you is about what happened in the past. You're still bitter. Love is being squelched. Let the Lord heal your heart. Let the Lord bring forgiveness. Remember, every wicked person was still created in His image. And Jesus died for every one of us. He died for the child molester. I know you don't like to hear that but he did. He died for Mother Teresa. He died for the gangbanger. He died for the prejudiced politician. He died so that they could be saved and know his love and be healed from the things that have created the anger, the hurt, the pain, the bitterness, the prejudiceness of their lives.
Father, forgive us. Heal us, oh God. Would you take a moment and pray with me against the plan of the enemy to destroy the church of God? Would you pray against the selfishness in each and every one of us? Would you pray with me for just a moment? Say, Lord, free us. Free this church. Free the church of the, of the world. Free the general body and the specific. Father, deliver us from our selfishness right now. Lord, we shine the light on it. Shine the light. Lord, we want to be right with you. We care more about being right with you than being right by our argument, being a better argument than someone else. We just want to be right with you. I want peace in my heart. I want joy in my relationships. I want to stand with the downtrodden. I want to do, Lord, what like your word says. Pure religion is fighting for widows and orphans. Standing for those that have been marginalized. Helping those, oh God, that no one else wants to help. That's what you did, Jesus. We couldn't help ourselves. Lord, forgive us of our bitternesses. How we replay in our mind over and over what somebody else did. And then, and then project that on somebody else that looks like them or acts like them or dresses like them. Oh God, deliver us now. Deliver us now. on every black man, woman, child in this room and watching online with us. Look into my eyes right now. I want to repent to you. I want to repent to you. For every white man, my skin tone, every white man who's marginalized you, who's treated you as inhuman not valuable on behalf of them I repent for the sin that was brought against you I repent that you have to tell your children that the images of white men that they've seen online murdering and hurting black people I repent that you have to tell them but Pastor Adam's not like that I repent that you even have to have that conversation Repent on behalf of men who look like me, who've done those things to you. I repent to you, from me to you, what I've not done properly as a pastor for you, where I've not been there for you. And I ask you to forgive me. I want every Hispanic man and woman in this congregation online to look me in my eyes. I want to repent to you. For every person who looks like me, who called you a wetback, who treated you as though you weren't as valuable because you're only second or third generation immigrant, I repent on behalf of the people who did that. I destroy their lives and I command them to not cease in your heart and mind anymore. You're not the person who cuts our grass. You're not the person who cleans our houses. You are men and women of valor. You are equals. And I repent for anyone who's treated you opposite of that. For every Asian man or woman, hear my heart. If someone of my color has looked at you and has caused you to feel inferior or as though you're not loved or cared for or as though you're stealing jobs and said things like that, I repent. Forgive them. Forgive, forgive me on behalf of I repent for what they have done. I, I may not have been there, but I repent so that you can let it go 
and being God. Let it go, I pray. I want every Anglo, white person, male, female, look me in my eyes. I repent for people who have projected on you a sin that you never committed, who have marginalized you because God painted you a certain skin tone. I repent for them and I ask you to forgive and I ask you to stop being indifferent and love again and try again. To the church, as a pastor, I repent on behalf of every pastor who misappropriated the gospel of Jesus Christ, who've used it for their own selfishness and their own self-gain to build bigger houses, to have nicer things, and used you as nothing more than a tool to make them feel better about themselves. I repent on behalf of them who molested and sexually abused people in their flock. I repent on behalf of them. Would you please have mercy and forgive us come on lift your hands all across the room Lord heal us I want you to forgive that person who called you stupid back in second grade I want you to forgive the person of a different race or color that comes to your mind the moment they pulled you out of that car and bent you over that car I'm asking the men and women of blue to forgive those who projected something on you that you didn't do, nor did you sign up to do. I'm asking you right now. I'm asking, I'm asking black folk, forgive white folks for years of injustice. Forgive, you have to. It'll kill your heart. You have to. Love anyway. I'm asking white folks, stop being indifferent. Please love us, be the church. Let's get across the bridge. Let's get to unity. Let's fight the devil, not each other. Jesus, come like you've never come in our hearts and our minds. Overtake us in a way we've never felt before. Heal the past so that we can have a future together. Let love win out. Let us stop, let us stop circling the wagons against each other. Let us tear down the walls and let us get across this bridge of selfishness and stop worrying, stop talking about me and mine and let us not only concern ourselves with our own interests, but the interest of others, our brothers and sisters. May we be concerned with the interest of our brothers and sisters. Let a blessing come upon the favor of God. That's what blessing means. Be upon you now to heal the broken heart. And may you be an extension of his love. May you no longer be a tool of selfishness. May in this holy moment, you humble your heart. In this holy moment, we take responsibility for you and for those around you. May in this holy moment, you decide to act in love. How may we serve you, Holy One? Thank you for the cross that brings us together. I cry out for my nation, Lord, that every race, every race would find equality in Christ alone. The great God of 
heaven and earth. He's created us all in His image. The beauty of our God rests upon us now. The joy of the Savior. The unity of the body of believers. That we may mature into unity. As the Apostle Paul cried out for. The unity of the brothers and sisters in Christ. Heal us. Heal us.